Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Braddon. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, man, I'm excited, <laughs> Shane. Spring football is kicking off all across the SEC. We got mm-hmm. uh, the SEC basketball tournament here in Nashville this week, so that's exciting. I'll be down there as well. And, uh, hey, a, a little teaser here, Shane, for the audience. We got some very, very special shows and some special guests coming on the show. So the next couple after this one, uh, not to hey, I always appreciate you, Cousin Shane, on the show, but <laughs> a little change of pace for some, some folks at home. So uh, hopefully a star-studded cast of guests coming your way to that SEC podcast in the coming days. I'm excited. Oh, yeah. Big time, big gets, brother. You guys are going to absolutely love it. Not physically bigger, but they these guys carry some weight with them, and we're going to have some great content. Uh, Mike's going to get it all set up for us there. So so stay tuned. Little teaser. So just keep keep an eye on our social medias, YouTube, Twitters. We'll definitely keep you in the loop. But uh, we're looking for some good stuff this coming week, Mike. Yeah, and while most of the SEC, Shane, again focused on the basketball tournament. Not Uh on this show. We're focused on spring football, (laughs) and we've got kicking off here at Arkansas, South Carolina, Kentucky, Florida, joining Auburn, Missouri, and Vanderbilt already on the practice field. Just Mm -hmm. makes it feel like football is that much closer, doesn't it? I love spring ball, man. I, I love it. It's just a little sample. It's that appetizer, you know. It's it, it you you went to a, a like today, Mike. I went to a little Japanese restaurant. You know, I didn't go there for spring rolls, but I enjoyed the hell out of those spring rolls. That's what spring game is, man. It's a couple of hot spring rolls coming to your table, even though you know the the big meals on the horizon. And I, it's just a little taste, a little sample, but it's also fun. It is such a fun time. Uh, as long as everybody stays healthy, cross your fingers, say your prayers, you know, that's the, but bubble wrap your studs. Yep. Uh, that's where we're at. But you know, this is a good time for the family. We, I, I keep hitting on this. I, I know it's like a, a, a dead horse here, but you, taking the kids to those spring games, it was, it was awesome. It's, it's just a great time. It's something that these youngins remember for the rest of their lives. So I hope they pack out those stadiums. I hope we have wonderful spring. The, I mean, the, Football starts, Mike. We start hitting seventy degrees here in East Tennessee. It's like it's like God knows football's in the air, you know. <laughs> well, I'll tell you where they are should be really excited, Shane, entering spring football, and that's at Arkansas. We haven't got to talk about the Razorbacks here in a little while. Some great news here, broken by Sam Pittman on Tuesday. Had no idea this was even in the work, Shane, but uh, one of the biggest positions of need for the Razorbacks at defensive backfield you know they struggled they've got Dwight McLutherin the outstanding corner the transfer they brought in ironically last year from LSU well now they're going to be teaming him up with arguably the top corner in the transfer portal Shane uh, Jameer Singletary from Georgia so once again we've seen this before Sam Pittman reaching into you know his his roots there in Georgia working for Kirby Smart now one of Kirby's former defensive backs 
joining the Arkansas program and why this is such a big deal, Shane. Uh, Singletary was uh, the number five overall corner prospect in the country just a year ago. He's got four mm-hmm. years of eligibility remaining. And uh, again, you know, this huge need for Arkansas. They're, they're retooled secondary with new coaches in the they got uh, Marcus Woodson coaching the the secondary and Travis Williams, the new defensive coordinator. So completely new system, fresh start here. And who knows, if he lives up to the five-star billing, suddenly Arkansas would look like a weakness. Could be a strength for the Razorbacks. I wonder if you could uh, tell me anything about Jaheim Singletary. Well, um, I can now because he's signed his SEC agreement with us. Um, he was here on his OV, uh, this, this, uh, Sunday, Monday and left this morning. And, and, uh, we were very fortunate that he, um, you'll have to talk to him, Trey, but, um, I can talk about him since, uh, since he signed his SEC agreement with us. We're excited about him. I mean, big time player out of Georgia. I mean, just think about it. I, I, sometimes it get it gets lost in these transfer portals of how big of a commit this this is for your program. Because if you would have landed him on National Signing Day, we, you know what I'm saying? There'd be two bags of chips sitting next to you, <laughs> one of his. <laughs> so I think this is monumental for for Pittman and company to go out. You know what was the what were some of the problems we had last year? It was a secondary, Mike. It was it was shootouts, games that shouldn't have been, and and they addressed it, and you address it in a big way. Uh, so this was a big get for for Arkansas, and I know those fans are tickled pink right now. Yeah, and don't forget Shane that uh, you know Lane Kiffin he gets billed as the portal king and all that because he brings in twenty transfers a year, but yeah. it's Arkansas and Sam Pittman. I would argue Shane that take in more transfers and turn them into elite players. Just look at Drew Sanders last year. You yeah. know, he's, uh, I wouldn't say he struggled at Alabama, but he just wasn't a big household name. Comes to Arkansas, mm-hmm. I mean, damn, he was nearly, you could argue, the best linebacker in the SEC last year. Uh, John Ridgway, the big nose tackle. They've landed several players from Missouri, ironically, to, to rejoin with Barry Odom. All those players now off to the NFL. Felipe Franks, you know, year one at quarterback. The receivers last year, Hazelwood, uh, you know, leading the charge there. I mean, they have done this time and time again. Matt Landers, another one. Uh, they bring in these transfers, and they get the most out yeah. of them. And I have to imagine that was a, a selling point for a, an elite prospect like Singletary. Well, and, and Pittman's, I mean, he's, he can identify talent, especially when you got college film on tape. It's, I mean, it's almost a little bit easier. It's almost cheating at that point. And what I love about some of the recruits that you talked about here, you know, it's, it, you, you see some of these guys casting a wide net, hoping that they get, you know, from some of these Division two schools and uh, maybe some Division ones that you just didn't get to see a lot of playing time. And you're just hoping that you can develop them. It's like another f- freshman, if you will. But Sam's a little bit more surgical with his approach and what he's able to get with just about everyone that he pulls out of the portal. This should, this should raise some flags. The fact that you're going to Georgia, you're getting a five-star talent to come to your campus. Mm -hmm. I can only imagine he will be a focal piece of that defense at some point. Yeah. And the last thing I have just on this topic, Shane, uh, already seeing some 
people kind of confused. Remember, there's a, a deadline of getting into the portal if you want to transfer from SEC school to SEC school. Mm-hmm. That was February 1st, but it's not when you announce your commitment. And he's already enrolled and signed and everything with Arkansas, so we don't have to worry about it. But it isn't you had to commit by February 1. It was you had to be in the portal by February 1 to be eligible for the upcoming season, and he was in the portal before February 1st. So Arkansas fans, you, you know, immediate eligibility here. Just in case – I already saw Ole Miss people. Hey, it, what the hell? What about uh-huh. the deadline? But uh, the, the, Everybody the, ran to their calendars <laughs> real quick, didn't they? <laughs> Will Shade, speaking of Arkansas – Well, you know, I, I um, want to ask – because Pittman's going to talk here in a second. And I, when he's talking about the SEC – he keeps mentioning that he signed the SEC documents. Yeah. Is that because he's transferring from – is there like a specific document that you have to sign uh, when you're going from SEC to SEC, or is that – or am I misunderstanding that? Uh, no, you just have to do it when you get to your new school, but uh-huh. you can't talk about a player until they're officially part of your program. So that's okay. a, that's the okay. same deal as uh, you know high school recruiting where – Kirby couldn't come out in a press conference and say, you know, Arch Manning should come to Georgia because X, Y, Z. He had right. to, he. You have to wait till they physically sign, and I think he would. That's why he was saying I can confirm it because he has signed. He he's part of the Arkansas program now. Yeah, uh, he had a couple cold beers after that letter. Didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> well, we got a new offense here in Arkansas, of course. Shane Danino's back as the offensive coordinator. Ken O'Browse, get the hell out of here. Off get to TCU, wherever you went. But yeah, what's the crazy biggest thing? offense. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm just – I'm feeling the fire, Mike. Let's do it, man. What's the He's one? what's been holding us back this whole time. Thank God he's out of here. <laughs> what's the just number kidding. one thing just Shane kidding. fans always complain about when they – are not getting the ball to the tight end. That I hear that. Hell, I've heard that for 10 years all yeah. across the SEC. doesn't matter the offense or the scheme. Why aren't we using the tight end? <laughs> now we're bringing in a, a, a coordinator that does utilize the tight end, something that has been missing to, in a large extent in the Arkansas offense. Here's Sam Pittman on uh, how Dan Enos plans to utilize tight ends and also – you know, we got some new receivers in here. This is the second offseason in a row. We're basically retooling the entire receiving core via transfers. Here's Sam Pittman on that. And then with, with your tight ends, kind of what's your impression of that group right now and, and what do you want to see from them, I guess, in the next few weeks? Well, I think Bax has stepped up. Um, Bax is moving better. Tyrus Washington has really had a good off, uh, you know, obviously working his tail off, working extremely hard. The two has brothers, and I know Dylan's not a tight end, but Luke is, are two of the hardest working kids you'll ever, uh, ever see. As a matter of fact, I called her mama last night to tell them that because, uh, I mean, they are, they are hard working, no nonsense kids. So I think, I think Luke will help us, you know, as a, t- you asked specifically about tight end. I think, I think Dylan will too, but you asked about tight ends, and that, that would be probably that. Those five guys right now, obviously waiting on Shamar Easter to get here in in uh, late May, early June. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then finally, you mentioned I think a minute ago on tight ends, you said we're going to need more. So, does that mean like what tweaks have you seen for what Dan's going to implement? Like, where tight ends be a little bit more? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, we can be in 12, we can be in 13, you know, things that we never even dreamt about over the last three years. So uh, the tight end recruiting, which we feel like we've done a really good job this year and the two that we've signed. Uh, but is there a place for a portal guy? Possibly. You know, I don't know. Um, I really like who's in there. Um, but at the same time, I, I think we've got to make sure that by the by when the portal opens back up that we're ready ready to go with Luke would be the guy that is the question mark because you know we know what Tyrus is going to be able to do and what Bax is going to be able to do and if we feel like we've got enough tight ends uh, to function then we we would stay out of the portal if not just numbers alone we would go in and try to see if we can find somebody. Exceptional. Now at the wideout position, that's a that's a little bit different story there. Obviously, we haven't been throwing and catching and all that kind of stuff. But if you look at um, Jaden Wilson, had, would be Bryce Stevens. Uh, those guys, the guys you, Bakke, you know, Satagna, the the guys that you think would 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 be there, they are. And then I think we've I think we hit the jackpot with the three the three transfers we got not again, they haven't caught balls, but I'm talking about work ethic and ability with Tesla and uh, Broden and uh, Armstrong. I think, I think uh, all three of them are going to help us, you know? All right, Shane. So, Hey, <laughs> we got some new toys to play with here. Dane Enos, KJ Jefferson to utilize in the fall. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I thought, you know, that was the biggest question mark I had with Arkansas all off season. And then we got to fall camp, and it was like, my God, we got all-stars here, all-stars there. I didn't know if yeah. they were just blowing smoke, but it turned out uh, they knew what they were doing. And just, you know, based on that, I, I realized different players, different scheme, but it gives me confidence that this coaching staff will get these guys up to speed in a hurry. Oh, yeah, man. They're, they're, and I always thought, I always find it funny when these coaches said, I haven't seen them throw the ball. I'm like, bullshit. You got cameras all over that place. You know what I'm saying? I don't know why we're playing this game. So uh, I, I always like it when Sam's got a little pep in his step. That means he knows what he's working with. And I think this next group's going to be all right. And yes, got to get the tight ends involved. That's one of the most frustrating parts I thought with Arkansas is because I thought that was going to be a strong suit. Yeah. You know, and not that it was wasn't there was talent and unfortunately we're going to talk about him in South Carolina here in a minute but Arkansas just it kind of felt like they shit the bed with the tight end role and, and I'd like to get back to that because that is a big part of college football these days look at your national champs man yep. you know best arguably the best tight end in the country so uh you got you got to use that position utilize it it's not just another blocker man right and going back to what you said there Shane I remember just the other day we played clips from old Eli Drinkwitz and you know they were asking about his transfer quarterback hadn't seen him throw but he's got good zip on the ball he's got that deep ball he's, you know, he's got that accuracy like what, what are you talking about what, what? Yeah. <laughs> rumor has it <laughs> that last thing on Arkansas Shay, this is you know this is going to be I think going to determine how well Arkansas season goes KJ Jefferson mm-hmm. in this Dan Enos system no mistake. I mean, they called me the president of the KJ Jefferson fan club. So I got confidence that KJ is going to have his best season yet playing under Dan Enos. Here's Sam Pittman on how that's coming together. Hey, coach, uh, with KJ having been in a system for the last three years, a certain offensive system, 
do you guys just like like start over from scratch in terms of everything, terminology and playbook and all that stuff, or is there like a marriage of the old and the new? Or how does that work? You know, as you well know, Trey, I've had so many jobs, and um, so the terminology of calls, of line calls, and things of that nature, the ones that the kids make, uh, those would be. Um, uh, not a whole lot of change there. Um, the terminology of the play calls and the things of that nature, uh, a lot of change. Uh, you know, Dan, that was one of the things Dan asked me uh, when I talked, spoke with him. He said, hey, what do you think? Do I need to marry my my stuff to uh, the last three years? Or I said, oh, hell no, it, it's not – it won't roll off your tongue. You won't, you know, if you're having to remember what to call it versus, Hey, this is, this is my offense. I know what it is. And well, we have nowadays, Trey, it's so different, but, and it's both sides of the ball defense as well. Um, mm -hmm. Nowadays you have so many walks, so much more meeting time than you had before that I believe that certainly for spring ball. And then I believe you can bring in these eight guys and any transfer like Jaheim's coming in, you know, in, in June, um, I, I believe that you can get a kid ready a lot easier now in the rules that they're giving us than you ever could. So uh, they're they're going to keep uh, what their terminology is as far as that goes, and our kids will have to learn it, which they've not seemed to have a problem with it on either side of the ball. All right, Shane, so I just, I, you know, I got to throw that little wrinkle in there because this is the first time for KJ that he's not in the Kendall Brow system. He's uh, he, well, I guess he started out one year under Chad Morris, but still, that was, you know, somewhat similar to Kendall Browse, the spread, yeah. the, you know, tempo and all that. So this is going to be a change, but, you know, kind of like Dan Eno's coach, Dan, uh, excuse me, uh, Jalen Hurts, and got him to, had to change his, his play style a little bit. And we all know the rest of the story there with Jalen Hurts nearly leading the Eagles to the Super Bowl. So he's already comparing KJ to Jalen Hurts down there. I think this is going to be a great move for KJ Jefferson. I think it's going to unlock some of his talents that we've yet to see. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> even he banged up last year. There was some times he was like freaking Superman out there. KJ is an absolute beast. Yeah. He he's he is truly and if he can put together a healthy season, my God, watch out. Arkansas could be dangerous. And yeah. and and I hope for your sake they are, man. So then all this bandwagon talk. No, <laughs> you're not you were there before everybody else. But I want to see I want to see Arkansas shine, you know, and, and that starts with KJ. And it starts with that offense, catering it to what he's good at. So mm -hmm. I think that's what we're gonna see here. All right, Shane, well, let's kick it down to Columbia, where we got another team full of hope and promise. The South Carolina Gamecocks overachieved both seasons under Shane Beamer. They look to do it again, which if they overachieve this season, Shane, that who knows, that might mean winning the SEC East. Not predicting it. Mm -hmm. Calm down, Georgia Bulldog. <laughs> My God, we can't even – if we suggest Georgia's going 11-1, we got to hear about it for a week. I'm not saying that. But they got some great pieces. But the biggest question mark for me, I'm just going to continue to say it so like a broken record here, but we just don't know what we got in offensive coordinator Dal Loggins till we see him coaching yeah. this team on the field, calling the plays, has not done that 
in college. He's done it in the NFL. It's a little bit different animal, but not questioning the man, just saying that is an unknown. Um, let's kick it over to Shane Beamer real quick on on what how the schemes come together. Shane, as Dowell has gotten in, have you and he, you know, kind of come together on a consensus for what the playbook will look like, and are there certain things that you'll have to maybe table until the summer, like until you get past the second window of the transfer portal? Yeah, um, a little bit of both, of all that. Certainly we've talked, you know, as far as what we're going to look like going forward. You've obviously got to present an offense to the players in spring practice, what that is, and there's going to be some – new things that we call things. There's going to be some things that are identical to what we called them last year. I mean, there's going to be elements that we want to carry over. There's going to be elements that, that you know, either Dow wants to bring or that we've looked at as a staff and said we needed to be doing more of this or less of this like any, any season as well. Certainly there will be some pieces, some players that, you know, we, we, we add to the mix after spring practice for sure, incoming freshmen, obviously. And, uh, but the bulk of it, you know, will be in. And again, it's, it's why you go out there and practice. We know, haven't, we have an idea of what it wants to look like. I was reading some quotes from this press conference. I saw where Trey Knox said we were going to be up tempo and go really, really fast all the time. That was news to me. Um, so I'm glad Trey, Trey and Dow have discussed that. Dow and I haven't. Um, but that's, uh, that's another story. But no, I mean, there's, we went fast at times last year, but we want to see what best fits our personnel and, and what best fits us as a team, offense, defense, and special teams. But yes, we've had some conversations. And again, like I've said before, it's, it's, uh, what can our players best execute? Uh, there's things that we did well last year that we want to continue, and there's some things that as we sit there and try and um, um, make this offense the best it can be for us that we want to do differently, whether it be terminology or how we call plays, uh, operate overall operation, things like that that we can improve on. I guess, Shane, from an identity standpoint with Dowell, what do those conversations look like about what your identity looks like offensively, regardless of what plays you call, what system you run? Yeah, uh, probably very similar, Colin, when I got hired. I mean, balanced and what is balanced? Balanced to me is not 50-50. It's the ability to run the ball when you need to run it and throw it when you need to throw it. So we want to be able to do that. We want to be able to have a to be a physical uh, offense that, that plays really, really hard and uh, has the ability to be explosive. If you go back and look at our – success the last two years Colin I mean it's amazing just look at the explosive plays for us that's runs over 12 yards and passes over 18 when we win the explosive play battle in games against our opponent I mean our record is it's like lights out how good we are so find continuing to find the ability to be explosive and then whatever the identity is quit freaking turning the ball over so much I mean it's two years in a row we've been last in the SEC in turning the ball over. It's embarrassing. And it's, for me as the head coach, it's really embarrassing that two years in a row, no one in the SEC has thrown more interceptions and fumbled the ball, to the, given the ball to the other team more than we have. So obviously we haven't done a good enough job the last two years, starting with me, of, of coaching that. And, um, and it's two years in a row we've been, I think in 2022, we led the SEC in takeaways. Excuse me, 2021, we led the SEC in takeaways. 2022, I think we were second in the SEC defensively in takeaways, and we only missed being leading it by one turnover, I believe. So we've been dynamic on defense. Let's continue to do that. But then offensively, we've got to quit turning the ball over so much. Um, so to me, that's an identity. Quit giving the ball to the other team. Uh, run it when you need to run it. Throw it when you need to throw it. And let's continue to find ways to be explosive. All right, Shane, so I mean, uh, this is something, you know, you, you can't overlook. Building that identity, 
whether it's yeah. offense or defense, that's something that you know you can take for granted. But if your team doesn't have it, it's pretty apparent on the field in the SEC. Uh, what's your level of maybe not concern, but just intrigue that uh, you know that this is being built uh, and how quickly they can develop it in South Carolina under Dow Loggins? Yeah, I think the whole Loggins thing. You're either in two camps, Mike. Either that. Beamer couldn't get anybody else, so we got Loggins. Or Beamer truly saw something in there and brought something to this program that will amplify what they were doing. And I think that's the key, Mike. If you're in that camp, you know, he he brings up that we want to be a balanced offense. We want to run when we want to run. We want to pass when we want to pass. Well, you remember the start of the season, that was the biggest problem is that they couldn't run when they needed to run. And when they threw, everybody knew the, where the ball was going. So right. I think that got corrected later in the season. And he wants a guy that will continue that path. And I just think the verbiage here, if you just listen to what Coach is saying, man, he's like, hey, we're, we, we're going to take pieces of what he wants to do. He's going to take pieces of what's been working here. We're going to see what's going around in the league, and we're going to implement that as well. So they're going to be kind of like chameleons, man. And, and I think that's a good thing. You don't have to be freaking Josh Heupel and create a new style of offense here. You know, you've just got to take the pieces that you have on that team, get the most out of them. And I think that's the approach they're going with here. So I don't think that this is a splashy hire, but I think that it's going to be more of a team effort. Yeah, and, you know, at the end of the day, Shane, I mean, whether you were the first choice or not, hell, I don't know if Shane Beamer was the first choice. Right. Uh, go, going back to Sam Pittman, I sure as hell know he was not the first choice mm-hmm. at Arkansas. You met, you just referenced Josh Heupel. He wasn't yeah. the first choice at Tennessee. You know what, <laughs> I, I just named three coaches that have been very successful in a short period of time. So it's not necessarily about that. It's about fit. It's, a, you know, it's about culture. And, hell, Loggins had – a number of, I don't know if he got any offers or anything, but he was getting interviewed by a number of SEC coaches. So this is a very well-respected guy, and he's already proven to be an elite recruiter, which has half the battle at a school like South Carolina. You have to be a good recruiter to succeed in a job like that. So I'm just fascinated to see how this all plays out. And, uh, and again, man. If you look at that early season slate, Shane, North Carolina on the neutral field at Georgia, which is, I think, the third week of the season, Mississippi State at home, you can't sleep on them, and then at Tennessee. That's your first four or five games there. So this has got to be coming together quickly. Otherwise, (laughs) uh, I mean, all this hope is going to die pretty quickly. You know what? Well, to be fair, Mike, I wasn't your first choice, you know. So. <laughs> but we pieced this damn thing together, didn't we? You know, we're making this relationship work. So uh, I, I think you just really never know what you have until you have a chance to prove it. And and Loggins is going to get that opportunity. And if it takes off, we can sit back and talk about how Beamer's just a, a coaching mastermind, you know, not only with talent on the field, but putting together a staff that that has really shined at the SEC level. Or if we're camp one and and we have a uh, we trip out of the gate and we have a a tough start and three or four losses, I think we turn around and say, 
Yeah, see, I knew Loggins wasn't going to be the guy. <laughs> so there's a lot of pressure. We talked earlier this season about some of the, the, the highest pressure jobs, and this is why I've got Loggins up there because I think there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on Columbia. Columbia's not – South Carolina is not sneaking into this season, you know, with the way they went out last year, hitting and screaming and yelling, you know. Everybody knows that South Carolina's got a lot of talent coming back and the expectations are a lot higher in Columbia. Right. And, and last thing on the Gamecocks, Shane, I just thought, uh, you know, the South Carolina fans would appreciate this. You know, they probably would have won the bowl game had they had a damn healthy tight end. They were down to one tight yeah. end. He got banged up. They were dominating that football game before uh, Nate got hurt. Nate Atkins got hurt. Now, according to Beamer, you know, with these transfers, Trey Knox from Arkansas, Nick Elksis from Florida, among others, we, may, we got too many tight ends now, which uh-huh. you'd rather have too many than not enough. Let's kick it over one last time to Shane Beam. Uh, Trey Knox was in here earlier saying he thinks he has a little bit of Jaheim Bell in him. He feels like he's already a leader in that tight end room. What have you seen from him, and how is he kind of going to be an asset to this team already just as a weapon in that passing game? Yeah, he's an athletic guy. I mean, he's, he's impressive. That tight end group's really impressive, period. And uh, we've got so much more depth in that room and different skill sets. we got guys – you know, that are your true, more conventional tight ends, if you will, you know, and, and not that we didn't have it last year, we just got more of them. And Trey's a big body. Josh Simon's, a, you know, a stud and, and experienced guy and Nick Elksness and then the uh, freshman that we have here as well. It's a good group. I mean, it went from we don't even really have tight ends in the bowl game to we've got like, I don't want to say too many because you never have too many, but we got a lot. Of them, and I think Trey's. It's been good for Trey. One, he's 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 very uh, he's a great young man, great personality, as you guys saw today. Always has a smile on his face. I saw where he commented about you know the family atmosphere here, and that's pretty cool to hear him say as a head coach. You know, because he's coming from another SEC program and he's been around the block a while. So um, he's we talk about positive energy all the time. He's a guy that's always got positive energy. And um, he's an athletic guy that I think is working really, really hard in the weight room, uh, on special teams, on offense. And I think it's been a good transition for him. We're not necessarily taking everything that they did at Arkansas and saying all of a sudden this is our offense at Carolina, but there is some carryover in certain elements of what we're doing offensively where from a learning standpoint, uh, I think that's been a little bit easier for Trey. And he can help those other tight ends as well because he's got some experience and maybe what Dow's calling and, and things like that that, that have that has carry over, uh, carried over from Arkansas. Well, they call it tight end you over there. So you got to have <laughs> tight ends. got to keep putting them in the league if you're going to wear that trophy. Yeah, don't forget. I mean, again, maybe it's unfair, Shane, because, you know, you already referenced Georgia and their incredible tight end room. But – you know, it's a, it's a copycat league. And when you yeah. see some of the stuff Georgia's been doing, again, you don't got Brock Bowers. You don't got right. Darnell Washington because those are like two unicorns. And mm-hmm. the other guy they got, Oscar Delp, was was another guy South Carolina tried to get. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see if, uh, you know, some of what we saw in Athens the last couple of years across the SEC, some of the teams try to adopt some of that because obviously <laughs> it's working well down there. You know what? Yeah, yeah, and it kind of blows my mind we don't see it more because everything you see in the SEC usually comes from the NFL, and that's a huge part, man. Yeah, tight end play in the NFL, they usually got, and it's not just one guy anymore. You know, there's there obviously there's some Kelseys floating around, but it's a committee, and uh, you've got to have a strong tight end room, and it will impact you in the SEC. Yep. 
All right, Shane, next let's kick it on down to Kentucky where they have begun spring practice there in Lexington. And I don't know about you, Shane, but it seems like Kentucky, you know, maybe kind of, I don't want to say maybe inconsistent is the right word, but we have a great season and then we take a little bit of a step back. And then we have a yeah. great season and there's expectations. We take a little bit of a step back. You know, this is a team, a program. It's like my diet. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I start good, and then all of a sudden I fall off the wagon, and I'm eating little Tokyo. So I think Mark Stoops and company, Shay, they perform better. And maybe I'm crazy, but I think they perform better when there's low expectations. They're being doubted. Yep. We've got some pieces to work with. Got that chip. It's like you know they they have to come into the season with a chip on their shoulder because as mm -hmm. soon as people start patting them on the back. You know, you lose a little bit of that edge. We lost that toughness on the line of scrimmage, particularly on offense. And that's what we said coming into the spring. That's, this is the biggest question mark on Kentucky. Given the transfers they brought in, they should be strong everywhere else. They've added transfers on the offensive line. Mark Stoops asked, you know, what's the biggest area of concern, without hesitation, is that offensive line. Is there a group where you're – Maybe not concerned might not be the right word, but curious about what you've got coming back or coming in. <clears throat> Probably quite a few. You know, uh, you just want to make sure you're you're improving, growing. You know, I think uh, I think it's fair to say that you know I've addressed it. You've written about it probably, talked about it. Um, you know that we need to improve in certain spots in the offensive line. I think we've addressed that issue. Uh, always want to continue to work really hard and get better, um, but but personnel-wise, I, I feel I feel good, and I feel like we have some numbers and some guys to work with, and I like their approach, you know. And there's quite a few. I just feel like there's really good leadership with Eli and and Jagger have another year experience, and of course uh, Kenneth. Um, but then you bring in a guy like Marcus Cox and. He's so big and, and athletic and really good person, good leader. And just the way he goes about his business, the way he goes through walkthroughs, the way he goes through meetings. I mean, he's just a very mature young man and works really hard. And, and by the way, he looks very athletic out there. So that's a good thing. Thank you. Yeah, he said, I know y'all talked about it. I know that SEC podcast brought it up a few times, so I went out and addressed the problem. So he knows what we're saying. Well, if they do, Shane, I mean, I, legitimately, I mean, Kentucky could be one of the biggest surprises in the SEC if they yeah. shore that up. If, if Devin Leary, we'll get to him in a second, if he's healthy, if he reverts to how he was his junior season, I mean, they we're, we're already seeing these lists, Shane. We had SEC mm -hmm. StatCat on – uh, you know, a week or so ago, he says Devin Leary's number three quarterback in ESCC. So I didn't know yeah. that he was that highly regarded. I knew, you know, he was the number one quarterback in the portal, but we got all these pieces. We got Liam Cohen back. You know, if they can flip that switch, there's no reason Kentucky, yeah, after a disappointing season, can't flip that switch and have another 10 win or better season, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, Last year was so frustrating for Kentucky, and and rightfully so, man. And a lot of that was because of the O line. Yeah. You know, there was just not not enough push when you wanted to run the ball, and there was not enough protection when Will needed to back up and throw the ball, and and your quarterback barely survived the whole season. Hell, he didn't really survive the whole season, you know. And I think 
looking back on it, that was somebody dropped the ball, man. Recruiting, training, you know, film study, something went wrong there. And I think that's getting addressed because whenever I think of Kentucky football, man, I think about trench warfare. I think about some big uglies pushing the ball, and when they need to get three or four yards, finding it. That's that's what we missed last season. And I think if they had a good, good – and I don't want to live in the past, Mike. You know what I'm saying? It's hard not to. Yeah. But looking forward, you know, I think they get back to their roots here. And, and that's the first thing he talks about. Right. Well, let me ask you this, Shane. So Mark Stoops also talks about, uh, you know, their, their transfer quarterback, Devin Leary from NC State. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got an incredibly strong foundation there. I believe this was year 12, maybe year – yeah, I think year 12 under Mark Stoops. I mean, he's been there forever. Um, is Looking for the quarter, – your quarterback's got to be a leader. Otherwise, yeah. he's just not an effective quarterback. Is it easier to come into a program that's established, that has leadership, and kind of uh, – you know, you can't force it. It's got to come naturally. Do you think it's easier to do that? Or is it easier to come into a program that is in rebuild mode and disarray and is lacking any kind of leadership and being a leader? Because uh, I think that's the, the biggest challenge for Devin Leary uh, this offseason leading up to the year is, is to emerge as a leader on this uh, Kentucky team. Yeah, that's, that's a tough one, man, because obviously even, even work, you don't want to start a, a job – with with a company that doesn't have some sort of structure in place. You don't want to be the one that brings that in. So to answer your question, I think an established program is what I want to come into and maybe one of the reasons he chose Kentucky. You know, say what you want, they're they're going to have a f- early if not the first quarterback selected in the draft, he's definitely a first rounder. So I think that's that's the trend that, that Kentucky can say, hey, look, look at these guys that have transferred in and went on to play in the NFL. This is a stepping stone to the league, you know, if you're not going to places like Georgia or Alabama. Mm-hmm. And if they could turn around and do this with, with Leary, I mean, buddy, you know, you're, you're, you're starting something bigger in, in Kentucky. You're, you're the place to go to, to to rehab and get to the league if you're at a program that's struggling. Right. And, I mean, he had every opportunity, Shane – Right before he signed with Kentucky, he went down there, met with Hugh Freeze at Auburn, which, yep. you know, for Hugh Freeze, a strong track record of developing quarterbacks. But the decision was obviously Kentucky teaming up with Liam Cohen and his NFL experience back on the sidelines in Kentucky. Let's kick it over to Mark yeah. Stoops on on getting his good buddy back. It's like it's like the hangover, the three best friends <laughs> united again. Devin just being around the building one practice to kind of – Devin is just waiting to 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 lead, you know, and and uh, what I mean by waiting is um, he's earning it and he's doing it respectfully. He can he can take over a room in, in five minutes, but he knows uh, that it's you know about going out and proving it day in and day out, and and not forcing that. You've heard me talk about that before. I think it's very important uh, to just be authentic, be who you are, but also lead and. And uh, find your voice and at the right time in the right moment. And I think he is certainly, uh, you know, very, let's just put it this way. It'll be very easy for him to step into a full command type of position. He's just, he's that kind of guy. Mark, do you feel, in turn, William, his familiarity with the roster, that you're ahead of schedule with a coordinator change at this point? 
Well, it is. I mean, just by the way, just the timing of it, right? Last year and this year was different. You know, it certainly helped us uh, with the timing of it. Even though I have to wait through the pro season, it still was uh, sooner than it was a year ago. And, um, you know, that helped, and he is familiar with it. And, and, you know, the players, many of the players have been through it with him and know him personally, even the recruits, even if they didn't play on him, they knew him, you know, through that year of, of recruiting prior to that. And so, I think the familiarity definitely helps. Yeah, a little both. It's, it's a definite comfort level. I really, you know, enjoy uh, it, that part of it. It's almost like he never left. Yeah, just uh, like I said, he he has that type of personality where he's always in the staff room. It's always open door. I mean. He's never in his office. I bet you he didn't even unpack that thing yet. He sits in the, he sits in the staff room because guys are in there. They're always collaborating and talking and watching film. Players are in and out of there, and you know that's a it's a it's a good environment, and you know it's, it's fun. <laughs> I mean, that, Three that's, that's, best friends. Can we play that song? Is it's going to get pulled from YouTube? We'll, we'll play it on the podcast version for yeah, sure. Okay. But, uh, Classic. We are back. That's we right. are back. We are getting Doug back. And we're the three best friends that anybody could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. We're the three best friends that anyone can have. And we'll never, ever, 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 ever leave each other. We're the best three friends that anybody could have. I mean, the three best friends that anybody could have. Yeah, I mean, I mean. You've got to be excited if you're a Kentucky fan because of what the offense was under Liam Cohen. Right. The pieces are different, but there's tons of talent to work with. And, and hell, I, great point by Mark Stoops. I didn't even really think about it, but a lot of these guys were recruited by Liam Cohen. They just, yeah, you know, they didn't know he was going to be gone, but they've got to be extremely happy that he's back calling the shots on offense. Yeah, and that's again Wildcat fan. You're like, damn, we missed our shot last year. But then what do they go out to do? They go get another first round potential quarterback. <laughs> they get, I think, one of the best running backs in the portal. And I, I think they just load it up, and they're they're going to be, they may even be better than last year, man. Right. I, I mean, that's saying a lot to to lose all those pieces, and that's that's the way college football is now. You can just go into the cupboards find you a few more ingredients and try again. So I think that's where we're at with Kentucky. And, and there's a buzz, man. There's already a buzz. It was, it, you, you felt it at the end of the season. Cause I've got a lot of Kentucky friends up there, you know, oh, yeah. and, and they're, 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 the expectations are starting to rise again. So uh, this should be an exciting season for sure. Well, again, going back to what we said, Shane, that, that is the reason you want to have continuity. Yeah. You know, these mm-hmm. prospects know what they're getting from Mark Stoops right. and this coaching staff and this program. It's not a guesswork. I mean, we th- mm-hmm. we think Hugh Freeze will be great at Auburn, but we don't know. Um, right. We know what we're getting in Mark Stoops, and that clearly is, is paying off on the recruiting trail and the transfer portal and why there shouldn't be a rebuild in Kentucky. If anything else, right. like you said, they're going to be better despite losing some key pieces. Absolutely. All right, last but not least, Shane, let's kick it on down to Gainesville, where Florida, year two under Billy Napier. And a, man, what a what a wild uh, tenure it has been. It's been, it's been an interesting offseason for Billy Napier. 
disappointing finish. And I just, you know, I don't want to go down back memory lane like like you were saying, you know, let's leave the past in the past. But there was, you know, we were very close to having a ton of momentum at the end of year mm-hmm. one and saying, man, we got this thing rolling. So we're not yeah. quite there. We, we had some disappointment, but there's no reason that they can't recapture that momentum. But again, you, you talk about Will Levis maybe going number one. Now they're saying Anthony Richardson. They go number. I mean, <laughs> all these SEC quarterbacks go number one. I know. Bryce Young and all that, but uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. It, let's let's just assume that Anthony Richardson is a top ten pick. You're trying to get better after losing a top ten overall prospect. It's going to be tough, and and we got a new defensive coordinator. We got a four on the uh, four or five on the offensive line. So it is a new really a new era here in Gainesville. What's your thoughts on, on Billy Napier and company heading into year two with, uh, you know, just lower expectations than I can ever remember for a Florida Gator program? Yeah. Um, yeah well, st- on the Anthony Richardson thing, I've, I've, I've been watching a lot of that, that uh, combine and, and yeah, absolute freak athlete. And I, I mean, it looks like the numbers are off the charts and everything like that, but you know, I don't want to, uh, that's just lazy. It's a lazy take to say that he did not get the program to where it needed to be because he had a top quarterback. You know, I mean, I just you got to buy into the whole system. And and one of the things that coach says here in a little bit is, you know, and I think it it makes perfect sense when he's talking about living in a village. You know, it speaks differently because it was all new. That's one thing that he said. This is a program that systematically has failed season after season. So to fix the system as a whole, you've got to tear it all down. You can't just piece it together and, 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 you know, I mean, obviously if you could come down there and kind of mirror what was with, with, with uh, coach Mullen or something, maybe you could have gotten a better season there, but that's not what Florida wanted. Florida wanted to get back to, the dominant years of, of the nineties, you know, and, and to do that, they had to strip this thing down. So we knew there was going to be a little bit of fallout. We didn't think it'd fall as bad as it did last season, but maybe they needed to hit ground bottom to move this thing up because the, the pieces are there. Florida will always be a hotbed for recruiting. It will be, be a hotbed for talent. And, and, and it's been kind of a, a rocky start, but I, I think sometimes you got to get that shit out, man. You got to get some of that noise out of your locker room. And I'm not saying that's what Anthony Richardson was, but I guarantee because we had some kids dismissed last year that there was a little bit of a cancer in there. So hopefully that's cleared up. And these guys are going to play together, play together, man, play college football together as brothers. And, and I think if you can do that, you can, you can be successful in this league. Now the expectation, are low so they're not you know they're not expecting you to win the east next year but you're gonna have to do a lot better than you did the tail end of last season right so let's kick it over to napier shane because a lot of those comments here year two this the second year jump um you know that we see that across college football you know if you are a really good coach year two is when you really start to see the, the growth of the program under mm-hmm. the new head coach. So uh, a lot on the line for Billy Napier and company. We got to start seeing some results. But at the same time, uh, you know, you can't get rid of this guy if they don't win 10 games, given the difficulty right. of the schedule and all the staff and player turnover. Got to preach patience 
for the Florida Gators. Uh, let's kick it over to Billy Napier. We dived in a little bit on year two last year, but what do you, where do you hope or where do you expect to see the biggest jump in year two success or on the field or you know, this time of year maybe? Yeah, I mean, I think um, you know probably the biggest thing is you start in a different place, um, you know, from a knowledge standpoint, the communication standpoint, the set of fundamentals at every position. Uh, so you got a core group of veteran players that, you know, they walk out here the first day you put the ball down, they don't blink, right? So um, not necessarily what to do, but now it's how to do it, why we do it that way. Um, and I also think the players will benefit from uh, all parts of the organization being in the second year. You know, I'm going back looking at my notes from the previous year. I mean, um, need multiple pages, you know, to get to get all those things fixed. So, I mean, I just think we're starting in a different place. You know, it's all ultimately from a system standpoint, offense, defense, game changers. You it's like you moved to a country and learned a new language last year. Now you've been living in the country for a while, so you're a little more fluent and. You know, I think you all of a sudden you start to process a little quick, a little bit quicker. You anticipate better. You play faster. You get more production. So uh, we still have, you know, 27 brand new scholarship players out there, but uh, overall, veterans and then a group of rookies that I think bring bring some things to the table. Another thing is too. I mean, you have a new offensive line coming out here with this dynamic running game. So, what's the timeline for this offensive line to gel and get ready for the season? Yeah, no. I mean, I think that's probably one of the things I'm most excited about. You know, line of scrimmage uh, players, in particular, the all the mid-year players, I think, make us better. Um, and then we've got a good core group. You know, you think about offensively, um, Austin Kingsley, Richard, um, or Richie. Um, and then I think uh, guys like Slaughter, who are in year two, um, Herman's in year two, um, and then oh, here comes all the rookies, right, the freshmen and the transfers. So defensively kind of feel the same way. Um, Good-looking group of portal players out there, ten of them. Follow up on what Mark was asking, what were the kind of challenges that a defensive coordinator and filling that so quickly? How much of what you guys are running is going to be what you ran last year versus what you ran in the past, kind of meshing that together in a really short time. Yeah, no, I think we're, you know, I mean, we're in our tree of, of coaches, if that makes sense. You know, I think Austin is uh, well-respected out there. I think the opportunities that he had this offseason uh, is a reflection of that. But uh, Austin was with us in the past as a graduate assistant. I uh, came back as a position coach, and then certainly for him to get an opportunity to coordinate defense for two years and really do a good job. You know, I think his reputation is good. So that one was a little simpler than the others. You know, I think um, it's going to allow us to, you know, he knows the verbiage, he understands the system. Uh, and certainly, you know, that network of people uh, is pretty well respected there. You know, I think we. From that staff at Louisiana, I think we've got four defensive coordinators out there, you know, calling defense. So, um, you know, Austin did a, has done a great job. He's hit the ground running, and uh, so far, so good. And maybe uh, you know, a hire that uh, you know, I've, I've said it before, and I'll, I kind of stick with it, Shane. That will define how well 
Billy Napier's tenure goes in Gainesville is this new defensive coordinator, Austin Armstrong, who he's worked with at Louisiana. They got they hired him away from Alabama. He was, of course, he mm-hmm. was at Alabama for nine days, so uh, we can't really quite call him a Nick Saban disciple, but he was at Southern Miss previously, two years as a defensive coordinator. They're pretty fired up to get him down there in Gainesville. Yeah. Um, but what do you think it's too bold for, of me saying – Hey, I mean this this coordinator hire could determine Billy Napier's future because we we just can't have a disastrous defense again. Oh, Cujo's mad over here. Billy Napier just broke into your house. <laughs> Make sure you're saying nice things about him. Uh, you know, boy, Mac, Mac, I hate to put put it all on a coordinator. Yeah, but. That's that's what Florida is going to have to do next year, especially when you look at the teams in their league. They're going to have to slow these teams down. Uh, you do that with good defense. Right. You do that with establishing the running game. We know the running game is going to be there. Florida Gators is going to have one of the best running back rooms in the in the country, man. They're going to lean heavy on that. But you got to have a defense to back you up. You got to have a defense that's three and out, and and, and they can control the clock. So a uh, lot of pressure here and. Yeah, I, I think that was one of the most important hires this offseason. So the spotlight will definitely be on uh, on Florida there. Billy especially. Year two because it's this is St. Papal's college teams, man. You you got you got coaches like Kelly coming in and winning SEC West f- season one, you know? Th- right. there's I I know we want to be patient, but we, we this is the SEC, man. We've got fourteen, about to have sixteen teams, best teams in the country. You got to win now, and I don't think a seven eight win season is going to be something that Florida fans are going to be happy with. So, a uh, lot of pressure, a lot a lot of pressure down there in Gainesville. Right, and remember, Shane, going into a last season, there was a little stat I dug up. I can't remember it specifically, but I think it was. I think it was 15 and three or 18 and three, something like that. Billy Napier's record in one score games. So, I mean, he yeah. he's been outstanding in one score games. It didn't translate fully uh, year one there at Florida. He he won a couple of those. He lost a couple as well. But he loves being in these uh, tight ball games. It could because his yeah. his coaching acumen. He's got confidence. He can win them. But if you ain't got the defense. And you've got all kinds of questions at critical positions on offense. I mean, you ain't <laughs> winning many one-score games with a bad defense. You know what I mean? It's it's going. They're basically yeah. going to be one on def- defense and running the ball. That's right. What Billy Napier wants. That's in his DNA. Yet, um, again, if the defense has got awful like it was last year, I, I had all the confidence in the world in that Patrick Tony yet. God, he was awful. He he was worse than they were under Todd Grantham. So a lot of pressure on Austin Armstrong. Yeah. I'm not sitting here saying he's got to come in here and, and we got to be the most dominant defense in the country because that's not fair. But we have got to see an improvement. We've got to, you know, the the good news is what he does well. That's what the Gators need: right. uh, tackles for loss, turnovers, a, a very 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 aggressive forcing offenses into into mistakes because that's what the Gators are going to need to do to be successful next season on the field. Absolutely. Cause they're not, because they're not going to be able to go toe to toe with all these teams that they right. play, especially in their division. So uh, no defense is, is going to be absolutely crucial here. Depth crucial here. And uh, that's, that's the big thing I'm keeping an eye on this spring 
is, you know, who else is stepping up? Because it can't just be, hey, these are my best four up front. You know, this is my best four out back. We've got to have loads and loads of talent because at the end of the season, when we start having injuries and ailments and things like that, we've got to have somebody, but we can't have the drop-off that we saw sometimes last year with Florida, you know, when they had to go to a third-string uh, cornerback or defensive back. So yep. um, I think that's 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 big here too. Well, buddy, hey, that's all I got on this episode of the show. I think, my, like you said, someone's breaking into my home here, so I'm going to jump <laughs> off the line. But uh, you got anything before we hop off? <sighs> no, no, just again, guys, if you made it this far, be able to be, get on YouTube. Get, uh, get on our YouTube, hit subscribe, uh, give that a follow. Get any, any, you've got social medias, you know, get this out there. If we, we send out a show, you know, if you could retweet us for it, that, that'd mean a lot. Yep. Uh, we do this show for free, you know, <laughs> me and Mike just hanging out. And uh, we've got some really, really killer guests coming on later this week. You guys are going to want to see that. So have those notifications on so you don't miss it. Absolutely. We're closing in on 10,000 YouTube subscribers. Can't thank you all enough for doing that. And, and as always, you do that. Reach out to us at that SEC podcast. Let us know. You subscribe on YouTube. We'll send you a beer koozie free of charge. I mean, there ain't a better <laughs> deal in podcasting than that. You know what? I always turn it on the TV like somebody's coming over. I'm sorry. I was, I was watching something. You know, it's like <laughs> just Shane and Mike on TV. Let me just turn that off. Sorry about that. <laughs> well, buddy, I appreciate you as always. I appreciate each and every one of you for hanging out. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go Vols. <laughs>